Welcome to the Lilypad Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lilly. Every week I interview someone who is making their unique mark in the world by doing what they love and offering their gifts and talents to help support their communities. I talk to authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, musicians, and everyday people just like you who are making a difference in the world. I hope you're inspired by these conversations to get out there and do your part to make your community better. You know, what we've lost really in this whole cornucopia of, of art being released in the past 20 years is the story behind the art, you know, and, and, and so many times with every kind of art, the story is the thing that you really need to build the context, you know, to, to view the art through the proper lens. Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Lilypad Podcast. For this episode, I had the honor of, of interviewing local area musician, Christopher Vincent. Raised in West Virginia, Christopher is spreading his eclectic music across the states at a rapid pace. He's self-taught, and his bastardization is just as much a benefit as his innovation. He currently fronts a popular eclectic gypsy-esque band, and this is interesting, a falsetto grunge group based in West Virginia. He's played solo on both coasts, and his work is known for its intricacy and of structure and meaning, as well as its mutation of genres. Christopher has a deep, powerful voice that is not easily forgotten, and his compositions are complex, but engaging and accessible by all audiences. I hope you enjoy this interview. I know that it was a real treat for me Christopher is very passionate about music and about what he does. And he has some challenges against the industry and how that often hinders and impairs artists doing what they are best at and makes it difficult for artists who really deserve more acclaim and attention to actually become successful in the industry. So this is a very insightful and passionate conversation does contain a small bit of strong language, but nothing too much. Just wanted to let you know. Um, but it, it's, it's so, it was interesting for me to hear the honesty, the raw honesty of someone who has worked or tried their best to work through the challenges of the music industry and have still been able and been and fortunate enough to get a body of work out there that he feels has actually made a difference. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I did. So without further delay, here's Christopher Vincent. Chris Vincent, welcome to the Lilypad podcast. How are you today? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you. It's, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I'm good. That's good. That's good. I never know whether to answer that question honestly or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that for sure. Um, well, I, I wanted to invite you onto the podcast because uh, you were recommended by uh, a friend of mine just as a local West Virginia uh, area musician. And um, so in doing a little bit of research about you, I want to tell you that one of the first things that, that I was struck by is that you have a cover of um, Counting Crows' song, A Long December. And I don't know. Are, are you a Counting Crows fan? 
I, you know, I don't, I don't typically listen to them. Uh, I do just really enjoy a proper composition, you know, especially I, I always wanted to, um, play that song at the right time. You know what I mean? And it, I've known it for a few years now, and I was like, I have to get this done this year. You know, uh, there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. You know, just. And then we got six days in. <laughs> and <I> was... <laughs> but, you know. I had friends who teased me in high school because I was a Counting Crows fan, in addition to being a grunge rock fan, which is, you know, you'd think that'd be a strange combo, but. Um, their, their first album, August and everything after, I think is one of the, to me, one of my favorite albums of all time. So it was just, it was cool to see that you did a cover of that song. Uh, and you're right that, is that something that you feel about music that you, you know, there are songs that are just the right song at the right time? Yeah, I, so, uh, I'm also a grunge fan. Uh, that was, that's what I, I'm just grunge in my soul and uh that you know that's what we i'm 30 i'm 34 now how old are you 41 41 yeah so i was like i was a kid playing with my toys listening to radio and we what uh what a time for radio you know it's just like soundgarden and uh rage against the machine you know on the radio on on popular radio stations on that you know playlist loop that just plays over and over and over again but um I am a fan of composition and also I'm one of the 2% of the population that listens to lyrics, you know? So, <laughs> um, I really like Leonard Cohen is, uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, Donny Hathaway, you know, I, I like, I like words and I like when they're used well, you know, and as far as the counting crows and your friends making fun of you, you know, that's, that's just, uh, every teenager's job just to be a music snob, you know, uh, or, or even people in their twenties, I still see that they haven't completely grown out of that. But as far as, uh, the counting crows compositions goes, I mean, like Mr. Jones is, uh, is, uh, is, you know, one of the best songs of the nineties, uh, uh, and you could say a lot about a, you could say a lot of, about a band's or, or, or an artist uh, execution, but as far as their composition, I feel like that's a wholly different, uh, wholly different subject. So now, are you? Uh, I know there aren't a lot of artists that are performing right now because of COVID. COVID, but um, you know, are you mostly going solo now, or are you part of a group? Yeah, I had to. I had to put all of my groups down. I was just uh, starting with two other groups too, uh, in addition to Quiet, which is my uh, most popular venture. But it was it it was a fortuitous opportunity to slow down and to reset. Uh, I think a lot of artists are going to find that you know that there's just so much to the grind that makes you lose the the whole reason that you're doing everything you know it's like uh, with the popularity of quiet i was really starting to feel the pressure of writing for my audience and so that subsided i mean to a degree where i was just like comfortable playing sad songs again and so i started a youtube channel like <laughs> like so many people but with this uh with this, there's something novel about what I'm doing right now, 
and I haven't quite figured it out yet. But uh, Long December was an example. Uh, that was the first cover that I did with this new style. What I'm doing is basically I'm doing live audio recording while shooting the video at the same time. And then I take the audio that I shot from the video and then I that is the last thing to be developed. And then I add it back to the video. So where every video you've ever seen had the audio recorded first, I'm essentially recording them both at the same time, but audio is the last thing to get developed. And so with long December, you see, you see something that's visually aesthetically pleasing, like a music video, but also it's a live performance, but not any mics around or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's, I feel like it's more immersive. And so that's the start of something that I uh, really have wanted to get into. And it's one of those things that I don't know where it's going to end up at all. I just know that I have to start it and go through a long process before I get there. I, yeah, I don't know if you've, if you've listened back to any of my past interviews, but uh, you know, I spoke with Tony Hera, who's a West Virginia area musician He's from out of Nitro. I did listen to that one. Great. And I'm also familiar with Tony. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to assume that, you know, a lot of West Virginia musicians all know each other, but, you know, in a lot of cases they do. I've been amazed at the people I've met and talked to said, oh, yeah, I know that person. I know that guy. Um, but, yeah, Tony talked a little bit about how, you know, even though it's unfortunate that COVID pretty much shut everything down in terms of, you know, live performing, um, it has been an opportunity, you know, to sort of step back and think about other things and other approaches, other creative avenues and outlets. And then I recently talked to Aaron Fisher and, you know, he said some similar things that he's taking this time to really just reflect. And so I'm glad to hear you say similar things that this is definitely an opportunity while, while it's unfortunate, very unfortunate, it's, it's a chance to sort of step back and think about things and then reflect on other creative avenues and creative outlets. It's not just artists. Everybody, everybody needed to slow down. I mean, we, I mean, even, even our economy has been like shook at the foundation and that is making us reflect on how the economy functions, what is keeping it going, where our priorities should be. You know, I mean, this is, it's, it's causing everybody to slow down and you get these little these little glimmers of, I guess the, the boons of this whole thing, which is, you know, in all this reflection. Okay. For instance, I got a lot of phone calls from old friends and for no other reason than they, I was just on their mind. You know, these people were just immersed in their lives and I hadn't heard from them, some of them for months, years, you know, but what they were doing is thinking back on their life and thinking about, positive experiences and, and people that had a positive effect on their life. And they were reaching back out again. You know, it's like, it's creating this, it, it's recreating rather this, uh, this connectivity, uh, with, you know, positive forces in your life and a kind of reprioritization, you know? And so, um, especially in the, in the realm of artists, you know, most who create and are inspired by suffering or, or, uh, or, you know, uh, being tried at least uh, having trials of various kinds uh, we are uh, I mean we're forced to re reflect on our priorities and what 
like I said, with quiet, when I was feeling the pressure of writing for the audience, you know, that, that makes me want to write songs to dance to, you know, but right now I feel comfortable singing songs to think about, you know, in a time where there's like mass reflection and everybody is, uh, introverted, you know, and, 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 ha and everybody's in an introspective mood and ready to receive the actual words of a song or the actual feeling of a song or the meaning of a song, you know, people are open to it now when there's so much noise and hustle and bustle and everything, everybody just wants to hear rhythm, you know, because that's what, that's what, you know, life is facilitating, you know, there's no room for anything else, you know? Uh, so everybody's just slowed down. So like, I, you know, I don't know. I just try to, despite the fact that I'm, I don't know, uh, uh, a nihilist, uh, com completely uh, uh, a chaotic neutral. You know, I really am optimistic, and and uh, and even in dire times such as this. That's good to hear. Yeah, we, we definitely need. It's good to know that there are people who are hopeful, even if optimism isn't the word. I know that a lot of my friends, you know, have have spoken very hopefully of of what's to come. So I'm glad to hear that from you as well. Yeah, art thrives in opposition. You know, that's how I think about it. it. It needs to be tried. It needs to be pushed. Because we went through this whole era of like, under Obama, most people were happy. Most people were content. And because of that, the art sucked. And we got stuck with indie music for like 15 years. Not even Motown lasted that long. And any music is just like, doom, doom, doom. It's glorified dance music. That's all it is. It had no meaning. It had no feeling. There was no gusto. There was nothing remarkable about it. And we got stuck with it for 15 years. Why? Because everybody was happy. Everybody had the resources to create. And so just, so art just abounded. And everybody's crappy art was making it up onto walls and you know, um, uh, on radio stations and it was miserable, you know, it's like uh, punk rock never would have thrived without Ronald Reagan. You know what I mean? It's like art thrives in, op uh, in opposition and we need, in order to discern the cream from the crop, you have to have disruption, massive disruption. That's a really powerful insight. And <laughs> I don't disagree with you. <laughs> You know, people, it's something that people probably don't like to hear or like to admit, but you're right. Some of the best works of art, whether it's music or, you know, art in any form, have come out of periods of great trial and, and great conflict. So you're right. Yeah, because nobody wants to suffer and nobody wants anybody else to suffer. And I'm not, you know, particularly, I get accused of like being a follower of like Ayn Rand or something like that, but I'm not, I just am optimistic and also realistic. And that is, that's the real thing, uh, is that I've always, always been, had one foot in reality, you know, so I never get too far from that. Like, we're always kind of in a dire time, you know, uh, I would just, uh, before COVID, people would have just called me a bummer, but now they just call me a realist. Let's shift gears a little bit to just sort of a basic question then. Um, who would you say have been the most influential musicians to you, either as a person or as a musician yourself? So I'm a very obstinate person. 
uh, I'm uh, highly irreverent. I'm usually driven also from opposition. The reason I got into music in the first place was, I think it was Britney Spears. I think I heard a Britney Spears song on the radio when I was like between 13 and 15. And I was like, somebody has to do something about this. <laughs> and uh, that's why I started music. Not because I was listening to good music and I wanted to imitate, you know. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really get influenced by people that are, you know, uh, there's no, there's no uh, desire for imitation. You know, it's most of my music is written to be different from everything that I'm hearing. You know what I mean? So I very much influenced by uh, the opposite of me in most cases. That's a, that's a fair point. I'm sorry if that's a, it seems like a non-answer, but it's, it's the truth. No. Uh, Britney Spears got me into music. <laughs> <laughs> right. In, in opposition to Britney Spears. That's, I, I think that's that wouldn't stop me from thanking her, right? <laughs> um, but it, and that, that's not a, that's not a bad answer because you know you saw a need for something better and decided to use your talent to try to try to meet that need, or if anything else, to try to flood out the bad music with some good music. That's all I've done my whole life. It just I also happen to have an inclination towards art, but pretty much everything I do is is just to try to make things better. I've always been one of those people that just wanted to uh, problem solve, and I've always been an observer, uh, and I've always been very hands on. So usually when I you know if I'm like standing in line somewhere, I'm thinking of like how can I make this line go faster you know, <laughs> or like, how can I make this, how would I improve this application that I'm using on my phone or something like that? I'm just always thinking like that. So I don't know if you call those creative processes or just a uh, obsessive compulsion, uh, but uh, you know, that's just, that's how I am from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. So thank God I can play guitar. <laughs> that's, that's a good mindset to have though. You know, again, to see, to see is something that needs to be improved and at least be thinking about how you could possibly contribute to improving it. The actual industry itself, the past two days, I've had stress dreams. My, my dream last night, I'll give you a direct quote from my dream last night. So you're telling me that we booked a gig two hours away for no pay and we have to bring our own sound. How did this happen, gentlemen? That's a direct quote from my, from my stress dream last night. So like, I am, I mean, I was just so fed up of dealing with shady venues and see that, that was the thing about uh, a boon era of music as well. It's like, everybody's like, I can start up a venue and have, li have live music and sell lots of liquor and that's great. But I mean, you had like venues here in Charleston that were my buddy's band did an album release where it was like elbow to elbow, completely packed. They did like. 2500 in bar sales or something like that that band plus two other bands collectively got paid i think it was 163 dollars or something like that i mean you had so many venues taking advantage of musicians and there's no this is a musicians union you know but there's not a lot of the you know there's not a lot of uh power behind that you know i don't even know if there's like any political power necessarily behind that so and that would also create this uh, this band's perception like, oh, we're, we're not 
they would settle you know they would they would settle for that and they would have nobody to champion for them and say no this is wrong and so i started up a production company because i saw this happening all the time and i'm about win-win scenarios i mean everybody that is involved should win somehow and that is so easy to do and it's so easy to take care of everybody and it's so easy to make sure that you have a a good uh experience for the for entertainers for the whoever's facilitating and for the uh for the party goers it's and that was never done because that was that wasn't the standard of practice and i saw that no matter where i played around the entire world that same taking advantage of artists and because there was no other option you know that's why you saw right before covid there was such a increase of house venues and things like that. I mean, some of the best shows that even Quiet played, our huge band was house shows. I mean, we would walk out of there with $1,500 sometimes and, and feel uncomfortable about it. Like we had such a great time, like we really don't want to take all this money, you know? Uh, and and then we were, you know, playing venues in, in Brooklyn and stuff with a packed house and then getting paid like $200. It, I mean, it's it was so frustrating to deal with the infrastructure, with the poor business attitude, with the uh, lack of uh, negotiation, with uh, this whole idea of chasing this dream of like finding a record deal, like we're living in the 60s or something like that. You know, the, the, I mean, uh, then you, you decide to independently uh, release, right? And you've got to pay your own money for your social media manager. You've got to shill yourself out you've got to advertise for yourself and all the while you've got to make you've got you've got to arrange for the recording you've got to do the recording you've got to release the recording you've got to print the recording and you also have to make the art and you can't do all of that and the artists that really deserve that don't have the money or the resources and then like finding backing when everybody is trying to do the exact same thing and then you get buried like I said, under everybody having these resources, people being able to make music on a laptop and everybody's got a laptop. I mean, it was just, is everything was, was frustrating about, uh, about making music. So, I mean, I was just, I was really kind of done because I, I mean, I, I put together a three piece falsetto grunge band and I put together a two piece improvisational composition band and uh was ready to play venues for 50 bucks because i had to completely reset my expectations i mean i had to bend to uh, the will of the uh the, the faculty of the infrastructure because i wasn't that's not a fight i was going to win so and i'm hoping maybe there's a flip side of that then what would you say have been your greatest successes as a musician huh. maybe that's a tougher question <laughs> I'm really happy with my body of recorded work. I am uh, elated when I hear that I've inspired somebody, you know, uh, to to learn or to perform or to be better, to write better, to perform better, um, to, you know, have developed a new standard. I really like the uh, the production company that I started was was just small and I mostly did work for 501c3s that I believed in, but I also tried to employ local artists whenever I could. Uh, and so all of that I'm really proud of because I made sure people got paid. I negotiated properly. 
which in turn teaches them how to negotiate, you know, and, and have a standard for themselves moving forward. Um, so I don't know, just every time that I really took the reins and tried to make a dent in this whole fucked up infrastructure, uh, it's part of my language, you know, that was, that felt like a success, you know, for that day, I, I'd say long-term. Yeah. Maybe my, maybe my body of work of which I didn't really even scratch the surface of I've written like 2000 songs, man. I mean, I've, I really need to get to work. It's a good answer. Um, ordinarily, I, I end my podcast. My, you know, my final question is usually, um, you know, how do you feel you've made a difference in the world? But a lot of what you've already, you know, talked about has sort of, you know, touched on that that question. So I won't I won't answer. But um, I just want to say that I appreciate that you know you were willing to do this interview. Um, you know. I know that it's been brief, but I've, you've given a lot of insight and some things for myself and my listeners to think about. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, trying to, you know, elevate the voice of musicians and artists and, you know, what we've lost really in this whole cornucopia of, of art being released in the past 20 years is the story behind the art you know, and, and, and so many times with every kind of art, the story is the thing that you really need to build the context, you know, to, to view the art through the proper lens, you know, so uh, people like you are, are just as important as, uh, as the creators themselves. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, link up and talk again sometime. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Anytime, my friend. You enjoy your Tuesday. You as well. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lilypad podcast. For more information about our show and for notes about each episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Lilypad Podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a follow on Spotify. Or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people learn about this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening.